everyone. Welcome to my show, Career Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight purpose-driven Asian leaders making an impact. This is your host, Priyanka Kumla, joining you on our 99th episode of Career Startup Leadership Podcast. Thank you to each one of you as we ace our milestone 100th episode. It's going to come up very soon, so stay tuned by following me, Priyanka Kumla, and a Career Startup LinkedIn page for the podcast updates. If you're watching this on YouTube, give us a like and a subscribe so you can stay tuned with all the upcoming video notifications that we have. All right, we have an amazing guest today, a different type of guest, I should say, and let me unveil who this is. We have Jay Shah, who's joining us from Arizona. Hey, Jay, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be here, Priyanka. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jay. Jay comes across very subtle and humble, but you're going to see the other side of him, I promise. So Jay is a PhD student at Arizona State University with a research focus on building deep learning models for biomarker discovery for Alzheimer's disease, as well as interpretable AI models for healthcare applications. He also hosts a podcast with machine learning engineers. Well, apart from those fun facts, he loves being at Arizona State University. So he's going to talk to us all about what does doing a PhD mean for an Indian student, but at the same time, his love for tennis. Yes, I see that racket right behind him as he's prepping up for his 21K. So listeners, I'm quite sure you're super excited to know what Jay does on a daily basis. So let's delve deep into it. Are you ready, Jay? Yeah, sure. All right, Jay. So let's start with your childhood. You know, as a young student from Ahmedabad in the northern part of India, you came to pursue your education in the U.S. And here you are at Arizona State University. When you go back to those couple of years ago, you know, how does it how did it feel when you first put your foot into U.S.? Right. So like even before I came for my ASU, I had the chance to visit and come to uh, United States for a conference, an IEEE conference back in 2017. And it was in Cincinnati. And because I had the travel sponsorship for that particular uh, conference, I landed in Chicago and I chose Chicago because of... Uh, the weather? My love for Chicago. <laughs> no, definitely not the weather, which is which is one thing I learned just after I landed over there. But uh, I had seen uh, all these movies. We see pictures and Chicago was definitely one of my dream places to be. So I took around two or three days and I saw the downtown. I had a fun time over there. And that was one thing I realized. And that was my first uh, step into US. And when that's when I learned that whatever we see, whatever we have heard about um, U.S. being a very dynamic place, uh, a place where everything happens with a different set of energy, different set of people, people rushing in, people doing things. And that was one thing that I learned and I took back. And even, uh, I guess, uh, when I landed at, uh, in Arizona for my master's, it was a different energy. It, it, it is like, it, it, yeah, you know, what it feels like when, when people say U.S. is a land of opportunity, that is what we feel when, it, when we come over here. People are with a different set of expectations. They have their own dreams and everybody's working towards that. So, yeah, definitely looking back, I definitely feel like a bit nostalgic when I when I think about India, Ahmedabad and all those places. But definitely uh, looking back, it definitely feels like I did uh, a few things that I wanted to do in these two years. And it feels nice. Uh, definitely. You know, that's amazing to hear. You know, in this episode, Jay, I want to break a couple of myths about, you know, PhD student. You know, you have a certain personality in mind, you know, they're, they could be boring or they have no other activities, but you are very unique. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to spotlight saying like, hey, there are so many fun things that you can do while you're doing groundbreaking research. Like, for example, you work with a Nobel laureate on some of these different applications. Now, let's before we delve into your 
research, I wanted to unveil a little bit more about you as a person. You believe in the philosophy that you know, pursuing your passions or networking, these are critical aspects of success, apart from your college going, carefree lifestyle. No, I shouldn't say carefree for a PhD student, but, you know, for every college grad in the US. So tell us a little bit more about your thinking on those lines. Yeah, uh, I mean, networking is something I really advocate for. And I definitely strive myself to be better at than than I am uh, yesterday. And um, I think uh, the key idea of networking comes from two places. The first and foremost is my like my father, which is like he he was the marketing manager for like 30 years. So if you if I see him, he's like the super person who would go out and talk to everyone and he, he would build amazing connections with people. And these are lifelong connections. And secondly is even before I had my own podcast channel, uh, I used to talk to a lot of uh, seniors. They could be PhD people or uh, who could be working at different big name companies like Google, Facebook, Microsoft. And they would often have these very nice insights that go along the importance of networking. They would say that being the most hard hardworking person in the room doesn't really help you anyways they like of course that doesn't that doesn't mean that doesn't mean to undermine the hard work that you do but having an a skill or a knack for networking definitely goes a long way so one thing that i definitely realized is that one way or the other i would be uh be becoming good at whatever I do, but networking or communicating your ideas in a very subtle and effective manner is something that really needs to take place. And if you see these people working at big name companies uh, over the over like let's say ten years, that is one thing that they say that uh, I have really become good at uh, communicating my ideas in the least number of words possible. So that is one thing that I've learned and I advocate a lot. And again, that that really bolstered me during working with, like like you said, uh, working with the Nobel Laureate. And that particular lab was very unique for me because uh, I, I used, like, there was no one person who was from computer science background. And when I'm working with uh, a high high fidelity program, I had physicists, uh, like, who, were, who had a deep background in physics. I had electrical engineers. I had mechanical engineers. I had material science engineers. And when I have these teams, meetings um you know when i go ahead and tell them about the algorithms i use the mathematics that i did or the programming that i did that doesn't really help them because they don't really care about how the programming looks like they just want to know why i did it and how i did it and we had these ways of communicating ideas and over the time of few months we developed a protocol or a stencil for that particular uh, answering key so i guess that is what i i, I think networking plays a role which is like being the smartest guy doesn't really mean anything there could be tons of people there are millions of people who are doing hard work but if you can really uh, communicate your ideas you can collaborate because without collaboration you cannot build anything so i guess it's a, it's a chain of process like communication leads to collaboration and collaboration leads to building anything that you want so yeah i like this structured way of thinking i mean it's it aligns perfectly with being a stem professional right being a stem graduate <laughs> So let's delve deeper into your research. But before then, for our live listeners, we're going to give away one free mentoring session with Jay. So here's your opportunity to ask him any question that you would want and also get a free session with him so you can uh, get a chance to learn more about him as a person as well. So all you have to do is drop in a quick question or a comment or just say hello to us and we'd be happy to acknowledge you as well. So let's get into your research, uh, Jay. I know you've been working with the Nobel Laureate and different stakeholders who come from diverse walks of STEM. So tell us a little bit more about your research projects and what keeps you going every day. 
Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, first of all, um, the work with my Nobel laureate was maybe a year back. Like uh, that was one of the projects that I worked with him uh, on, on, on a separate project that is uh, different from my PhD uh, study. And my work over there was uh, mostly using machine learning techniques for art authentication systems. So we have these uh, imaging techniques, which are called hyperspectral imaging, which is basically thousand times much more rich than our human eyes. Like we we have three channels, the red, green, and blue, when we see things around using our human eyes. But hyperspectral theoretically can have thousands of these channels. So these ca these cameras are used in satellites and a lot of other interesting domains where you don't even have the access to certain information as humans might perceive. And that was the idea of using these high channel, high fidelity data to understand art authentication systems. So this was much more of an exploratory research project than like the standard pure research because you, you might understand like he he's a person who del delves into physics and all those core uh, science areas but this was much more of an exploratory uh, topic and my job was to use my expertise in computer vision to maybe put together an algorithm that can learn like for example when we say this is a painting from picasso people like people take weeks and months to figure out if this is a fake painting versus a real painting in human cases. But to build a human machine learning algorithm is like a taking it to the next level. We need to understand if this is really by Picasso or if this is a fake, if this is real pigments, are these colors original? When we say red color, what does, what does it mean red color? So we built these repository of colors that was like how red color looks like to the hyperspectral camera, how orange color look like, what is the combination of these colors? And based on these pattern analysis of how Picasso paints in like maybe the last 200 years or 500 years, whatever set of uh, paintings we had, and we built uh, an, an algorithm that can do these things in just like few minutes because machine learning uh, algorithm might take few minutes to detect these things. And apart from that, uh, I guess my work as a PhD student dwells al along the lines of using machine learning for medical imaging majorly. It's mostly understanding how we can use machine learning or specific enough deep learning for understanding the, these long-term diseases, like you mentioned, Alzheimer's, post-traumatic headache, which is what my current focus is, is to understand what are the biomarkers, because the problem with these- And can diseases, you explain to us, Jay, uh, what biomarkers mean in layman terms for us? So biomarkers, for example, uh, right now, let's say, let's take the example of Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's would have certain set of milestones, let's say, uh, for medical professionals. If you exhibit certain set of symptoms, the doctor might classify you as a person, as a person who would have Alzheimer's or who would develop an Alzheimer's in the next five years. So biomarkers are basically these uh, set of milestones in terms of symptoms you face. So let's say if, uh, if you're facing certain set of symptoms and you have a neurodegeneration in your uh, brain scan, then doctors might suggest that you might take medications for Alzheimer's. But the problem with these biomarkers is they are very, that there is not a concrete amount of research from medical community that can say for sure that this person, like definitely if he, how he or she has, then definitely uh, the, this person will have Alzheimer's in the next five years. It's much more of a trial and error basis. So what we are trying to use this is because deep learning inherently is good at pattern classification, anomaly detection. We are trying to use deep learning on these uh, rich neuroimaging data and understand what are these biomarkers that you might develop. So we are looking like we are trying to do an early detection that if I, if I let's say, have um, 
Priyanka's MRI scan, I can actually say that in the next 15 years, because I see X, Y, and Z things in your brain, you might develop. So it is safe for you to take these medications. So I'm trying to say I'm trying to save you from a very long-term illness much beforehand. So that is the goal of uh, medicine industry right now. So yeah, that's 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 uh, that's a part of my re research focus right now. That's very fascinating. Hey, 15 years from now, if I have an issue, right, it's, it's good to know proactively <laughs> what should I do, you know, in terms of daily habits and routines that I should build to not succumb to such uh, challenges. But tell yeah. me this, uh, Jay, you know, it's super fascinating. And I want to say congratulations and thank you for, you know, being part of such impactful projects for the society because healthcare is like pretty crucial, right? You've seen it after the COVID pandemic. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So let's talk about, you know, you as an Asian, as a person of color, have you faced any challenges as you work your way through your PhD or trying to make that meaningful contributions when you're working with, you know, very distinguished people in the society? Um, to be honest, I would say no, because I haven't really faced any explicit kind of um, seclusion from these particular processes. I mean, there are certain places that have a... a uh, advertisement over that, that they don't sponsor immigration visas and all those places. There is, there is definitely public knowledge over there because of the inherent nature of what the company works or on the data that it deals with, uh, the kind of sensitive information. But to be honest, I, I haven't been a part of uh, such kind of any troubles as an Im immigrant, but uh, that doesn't mean that uh, it doesn't exist. I mean, definitely, I, I keep on hearing stories, which definitely is a different matter of discussion. But Fortunately, I haven't been uh, a part of that particular problem or trouble that most of the people of color might face over here. You know, that's good to know that things are changing. But what advice would you have, one advice for students who are willing to pursue PhD in the United States? I would say, I mean, first of all, if, if the question is much more focused to the PhD, I would say definitely, uh, like, first of all, PhD doesn't really provide any incentives that lure people to get into a PhD. So you really have to be focused and really interested into research, I would say, because uh, at the end, like five years is a long, long amount of time to do your research. So with little or no incentives and coming with a huge amount of financial burden for immigrants, I guess those kind of factors people should know. But uh, I think on the brighter side of PhD, I think uh, the only good thing about PhD is you get to work and you get to choose your own projects. So you can really be creative about it. Like you can take any of the projects. Like for example, the, uh, the project that I took was completely under my interest. It was basically, basically I, I tried to pitch in my ideas that, hey, why can we do this? Why can't we do that? And I like the professor would just say, yeah, that's a great idea. Go ahead and do your research and get back to me. And then he or she would uh, give me inputs based on her or his research experience. But the kind of independence that we get and the kind of exposure as a PhD student that you get to the academia or research is definitely much more than what I think uh, we get from our industries because industries are much more focused on solving a particular problem in a particular set of manner. And rather PhD is much more all about you. It's like, if you, if you, uh, if you if you are not good at you might do a very bad phd if you are good at you can do and explore your uh, own set of skills in a very different manner so i would say i would say for people who might be interested into doing a phd first of all i would suggest them to 
dig down and at least get your hands dirty with research because research definitely sounds very uh, glamorous at the first aspect but even there are days that even i feel like i regret taking phd decisions at now but definitely it's a it's a very temporary thing but at the end i love doing research but definitely i had a lot of experience i i took a lot of internships i i did my masters before doing a phd just to understand how the research market or the research field looks like so i would say just take few few instances or few milestones that make you understand what research could look like do you fit really into the phd profile and if that really fits for you definitely go ahead it, it's a good field it's 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 definitely something a place to be because a lot of research and research is becoming really exponential right now if you see a lot of avenues opening up with new technologies new algorithms research definitely has many things to offer you know that's fascinating to hear in terms of the kind of opportunities uh, that we would be exposed to so let's talk a little bit about machine learning you know as a layman why should i care about machine learning deep learning how is it going to really uh, affect me or impact me in my day to day life and the applications that i use yeah so one of the few things that i really advocate about deep learning is you see a lot of digitization around you you see a lot of data that you as a person are generating versus uh, you as a person are consuming so we are looking at and if the, this is the rate this is just like what i'm talking about the last 3 or 4 years but fast forward this is like growing at exponential stages people are getting devices in their hands and, and in their places a lot so starting from important works to your entertainment a lot of things are becoming digitalized and a problem that comes obviously with it is managing these data to the best sort of manner and people are becoming very i would say particular about the things that they consume and that they generate so this is where uh, when when we talk about huge amounts of data and trying to think about personalization this is where the machine learning's sweet spot is so everything around you starting from whatever you do like these podcasts and these uh, for example uh, the content that you post has a certain way of getting to people how it is being analyzed how it is being reacted and all those things Start, like basic these are very basic things in terms of human lifestyle but uh, i think machine learning like at least knowing about machine learning is going to be very critical because you are you're trying to like indulge into like let's say 5 year 5 hours of your day in on social media or any kind of other digital platforms it's good to know that what machine learning is like the the content that i'm consuming what does it have at its uh, back end just to understand what it feels like and definitely for software developers or computer science researchers this is like the big thing like of course there are many other different uh, avenues of computer science like database systems high performance computing and all those things i'm i'm definitely not going to say that those are lesser uh, important than machine learning but machine learning is something that we are seeing at a exponential stage growing up those field systems and all those have been here for like less last 30 years or 40 years people are developing but machine learning is something that is really increasing over these times and it is a good field to be in if you are really creative you can take this field to anywhere like for example uh, i i have seen these young startups doing amazing things like we couldn't even imagine that machine learning could have a space over there and medical industry is one of that like just one good person few years back thought that uh, imaging data could have a intersection with uh, machine learning and let's do biomarker discovery and it's doing great marvel marvels right now so 
it's it's a hot machine gun i would say that people can learn to fire and it's a good thing if you are creative they can, they can hit the jackpot so it's it's a it's an interesting field with a lot of um, interest i would say in terms of usage and generations you know that's fascinating to hear in terms of how the future is going to look like and some of the innovations that you are working on we have a question from one of our live listeners we have janani rangarajan who's joining us she's the chair of bioinformatics uh, for the university on the west coast she would like to know the difference or the similarities between the three fields machine learning data science and bioinformatics if you would like to answer that yeah definitely so i think uh, these are three very different i would say in some ways and at the end they are very overlapping Uh, regions machine learning is a much more broader field that has nothing to do with uh, the applications it it is at the end uh, a few set of uh, understanding of few algorithms and how to deal with data we could have these data in terms of uh, financial tabular data for example your patient informations or it could be imaging data or it could be text data that a lot of uh, nlp models are built built so i think machine learning is the machine learning is the field that really deals with understanding these kind of uh, mathematical models and building those mathematical models in order to generate a certain output on the other hand data science has to do with a lot of data preprocessing things for example these models that machine learning builds cannot just crunch in the data as we humans do for example you might see like it's just our eyes that sees the text data versus the imaging data versus the tabular data but this is not machine learning understands like we need to create those uh, data sets into a certain manner to in order to feed these uh, algorithms or else they are equally garbage so data science i in my understanding is understanding those data preprocessing those data trying to uh, eliminate data that are harm, harming the models to understand because a lot of redundant data is bad for machine learning and understanding those sciences it is at the junction of using machine learning versus what data it should go in because if i put in bad data i like it's it's like garbage in garbage out technology so if i put in garbage i definitely cannot expect so i think data science is the tool uh, is the field that deals with those kind of things and bioinformatics is a very um, i would say hybrid field that works on the junctions of all these three things that i'm saying at the at the domain knowledge of people who are dealing with medical experts so for example not all like for example a, a very hard debate that even you might have seen is uh, machine learning models are check magnets for uh, biases we have a lot of biases that go into uh, predicting a certain classifications so but at the end not all biases are bad biases like some biases are good for example uh, there are few diseases that are specific to let's say gender like uh, women get certain diseases at a much lesser rate than males do but to understand these things you need to provide a, you need to have a person that that understands those those diseases much better than machine learning model because machine learning model is just ones and zeros so bioinformatics is something that that has tried to use these and incorporate these tools machine learning in order to use it their own benefit so they they like for example for me when i'm working with these deep learning technologies i'm trying to tweak these deep learning models so that it serves the purpose of medical professional who is trying to deal with the data 
So I'm trying to understand what the doctor wants, what the machine learning model can do, and what is the thing that is really innovative, for example, biomarker discovery. So bio, bioinformatics is something that deals with along these lines that definitely has to do with data. I need to process the data uh, much differently. Like if I'm dealing with just cats and dogs images, that is much different than how I'm treating MRI scans. I need to understand what is the significance of voxels. So I think bio, bio, bioinformatics is something on the intersection of these beautiful domains. Awesome. Thank you so much for that very, uh, you know, simple and easy to uh, uh, easy answer where we could really comprehend these three different fields. And thank you, Jenny, for that interesting question as well. To our live listeners, feel free to drop in a quick question or a comment for Jay as well. Now, let's talk about setbacks, you know, as a PhD, as a researcher, I, I see the fascinating side of working on impactful projects, but as you mentioned, there are some days where you question about, you know, what am I really doing? So how do you face those low moments in your life? Um, I mean, it, it's an active area of improvement even for me, I guess, but I think I think the way I deal with it is uh, research has to be like it's uh, what we uh, what we say is like ninety nine setbacks and one 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 good good day is what it takes to a good research. So definitely, it's something looking for forward that one day definitely is something that really keeps on going. But I mean, uh, one thing that really sticks to me is what uh, the professor Frank Wilczek that I worked with has said that. Uh, uh, if if you like no no research is bad research so even if the results that you got are not something that you expected that is like a one step forward to moving forward to what you really want so if if let's say one result that i got that is bad i if i look at that hey this is like the dead end that is that is a very wrong approach i need to understand it it's like in a way of uh, it's a step by step process i need to understand what those results meant like, am I closer enough to what I want? Am I closer enough to what is the expectations? If I'm not, I need to take another approach. It's like it's like the classical mathematical models. Even, even for example, like people who understand machine learning understand there is this term called gradient descent, which is like, it, it's like a slope thing. If you remember, like the saddle point, like you just need to understand, do I need to go right or left? Because if I'm going right, if I'm like getting close enough, then I need to keep on going right, like taking small, small, small steps. But if I'm if I have to go left, then it's just a matter of right or left selection. So I think that is the way. Like I don't treat any setbacks as setbacks. I just think that okay, I'm just uh, one step closer, or maybe one step ahead, or maybe one step uh, reverse. I'm going in the reverse direction. I just need to change my directions. So I guess that's how I I, I deal with them. You know, I love the analogy and I'm going to use it when I'm facing setbacks, right? The way you look at it in a very mathematical, scientific way <laughs> brings a very different mindset altogether. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. So let's talk about your amazing podcast where you host machine learning experts and researchers to talk about their career journey. So tell us a bit more and where can people find it? Yeah, definitely. So I, I post out these podcasts just like what Priyanka does and like definitely a much more tuned down version of that. Like I'm uh, definitely I have a lot to learn from Priyanka about podcasting, but oh, thank uh, you. So that's post... so kind of you. <laughs> I'm still learning. No. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely always a learning curve, but uh, I post out these uh, podcasts on YouTube majorly. And uh, recently I have been trying to post out them on even Apple podcasts and Google podcasts. But uh, a little bit about that podcast, it's like I invite uh, experts in machine learning. I have invited people who are uh, professors, who are entrepreneurs, who are software developers, who are 
researchers who are applied researchers and uh, even in the next few months i have few journalists who would be talking about ai so i i try to the goal of those podcasts it's is to just see machine learning from a different aspect because if you see professors look at machine learning differently than what software developers look at and what researchers look versus what journalists look uh, look at ai and uh, my goal is uh, when i started like in the first place when i started those podcasts was to help beginners it was just like uh, people who read uh, machine learning and ai jargons in medium or media articles they often find very glamorous that hey ai can do great stuff but uh, they at the same time feel very overwhelmed like how do i start how do i get to this and oftentimes most of these interests burn out when they actually get into the mathematics and learning about those skills so my goal was to make it much more top view level uh, understanding i need i wanted people to see what machine learning should look like how can they get started and understand from like the best people in these uh, fields so let's say reinforcement learning data science ai and all those teams so I, i i used to talk to these people and i said to my friends that why don't i make this thing public i would just get consent from people that can i record you and can i have these uh, podcasts online so that greater set of people can get benefited by it so that is what i do, do through this podcast i try to demystify what actually really machine learning is because at the end it's not something that's uh, black boxy or uh, something that not, not a lot of people can do anybody can do i mean if you have a love for mathematics and if you have some creativity anybody can do so that is what i try to do the, through this podcast i try to i try to bridge the gap between being an expert and being a beginner and yeah i post out these uh, podcasts on youtube so definitely i i hope any beginner who is watching this uh, thing and is interested about machine learning please go ahead i try to diversify my uh, speaker sets so yeah hopefully hopefully people are much more enthusiastic about machine learning yeah and jay is being very humble he has a huge amount of subscribers and a very high engagement rate on all his podcasts which uh, i love you know as a fellow podcaster when i see such engagement with the listeners that gives me a high and i'm super happy for you jay so before we move on to the next question do let us know the uh, the name of the youtube channel so people can go for your, find it out yeah so so the channel goes by my name itself it's jayesha but <laughs> just a heads up like jayesha is like the most common first name and last name in india so i would say <laughs> for people anyone searching for it i would say just type in jayesha machine learning or jayesha ai podcast i guess that that would be uh, much more helpful to search those podcasts but awesome. yeah <laughs> we'll post a link in our episode yeah. notes so you'll get a chance to check out his uh, youtube channel as well now let's uh, delve a little bit deeper into you as a person what is an accomplishment that you're really very proud of when you look back at your phd or even your journey all the way from ahmedabad to the us hmm um yeah i mean that that's a tricky question because i mean i i don't know if i'm really proud of 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 anything but i would like a certain like to think so i'm proud of it is something that you mentioned at the start of this podcast is like understanding the breadths and depths of machine learning that is what at least i would say i enjoy i don't know if i'm i i would classify that as an accomplishment for me but uh a lot of people are at the same age and when i see of pool of my friends who are at different places working i often find either they are uh, in one of those pools like either they are exploring the breadth which is like understanding how the software develop which is definitely great and definitely unique and uh, in itself a great uh, skill in itself but uh 
I wanted to get a better overview. So I tried to keep these uh, these set of, I would say, goals that I, I regularly do that tries to uh, explore these machine learning domains on different aspects. So breadth is something that I try to do through this podcast. For example, I reach out to people, I talk, I read, and I uh, I read their articles in a much more different sense than I would get into the depths. But on the other hand, uh, I would also, for example, for my PhD, I'm trying to much more delve into the depth of a particular area. For example, Alzheimer's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand in depth like what Alzheimer's means from a medical perspective, what those machine learning models look like in specific to Alzheimer's and post-traumatic headache diseases. So I'm trying to understand the depth. So I try to keep my feet in two boats, I would say. Like, uh, I try to do that because, um, because I, uh, to be honest enough, that is, the, that is like the source number one inspiration for me. I mean, if you look at different fields, uh, for example, medical imaging in its first place, it got started because some person did that, what I'm trying to do right now. It's like, trying to keep two feet in different boats and trying to understand like can i use machine learning and can i use medical imaging to develop these biomarkers so i often try to do those things again uh, i i wouldn't say that that would be somewhere along the lines of accomplishment what the society looks at accomplishments for but i definitely like to think that i i enjoy doing that uh, i i like to learn about what different domains like reinforcement learning uh, a lot of human aware ai interpretability and all those aspects from a psychological or philosophical perspective and try to bring in those creative thoughts into my line my line of research and make it much more reliable and human understandable ai is something that people fear but i would say that ai is your biggest friend and I'm, i try to bring in those concepts so yeah that what i would say that Exploring the breadths and depths of machine learning is really that I, I pride myself doing it. That's lovely, Jay. And I'm so glad you're thinking outside of, hey, these are the societal milestones. And sometimes as Asians, we have these stereotypical milestones that we have to achieve by a certain age. But I'm so glad you're taking a very different path where you're pursuing your passion with your own happiness. So the kudos to you on that line of thinking. We have a fun rapid fire on for you. Are you ready for it? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. I love it when I have a fellow podcaster on the other side of the hot seat. <laughs> All right. So you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following and in one word, role model. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Roger Federer. <laughs> what does happiness mean to you? Um, one word would be something, I guess, hard, but I would say doing something that you find meaningful, I would say, that you find it uh, fulfilling enough. How do you define success? Hmm. Uh, I guess uh, it would be something related to this uh, past answer is like, doing something that you really find enjoying. I mean, I hate I hate to put milestones. Like, for example, I, I hate to put milestones. Like, if I did this, I, I, I consider myself successful or something like that. If if you're doing something that you are enjoying it and you find that, if you find that that is uh, meaningful, um, you are successful, I would say. Like how we do podcasts, right? As hosts, we yeah. find a lot of happiness <laughs> and success doing that. Yeah, to be honest, yes, yes. So I know a lot of our listeners and especially Jay's fans of his podcast would love to know what is one fun thing about Jay that's very exclusive to our Caribbean Startup Leadership Podcast listeners? Hmm. I would say a fun thing would be, and definitely this is a career podcast, so I would say cooking is something I really enjoy. 
which is like apart from all these uh, technical things I try to do thing, but uh, experiments with cooking, I would say that is like not, that is not something available online. I try to experiment with what, based on my understanding of what ingredients taste and versus how Indian cooking style looks like. I try to oftentimes mix things. They are not always good, definitely. And there are times I <laughs> I have to uh, cook something else at the night to go to a good sleep, but definitely I, I try to experiment myself. I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, so I try to do doing uh, different salads, soups based on understanding how things go. But yeah, that is one fun thing I, I, I like to, I like to do. So you have your own algorithm, which is your secret recipe <laughs> success <laughs> for success. <laughs> and yeah. I, I love the way how you manifested the podcast uh, name and the brand into your fun thing. So creativity yeah. there. <laughs> All right. So one last question for you. What is your native language and one word to one word to describe yourself in it? Oh boy. Uh, I would I mean well, my native language is Gujarati because I'm 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 from Gujarat. But one word that's that's really hard one because I would say so there is there is this word but I'm 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 quoting my father because this happened like maybe a few weeks back where he actually tried to taunt me about something and he said uh, there is a word called vicharshil, which actually means uh, it lit it literally will translate to a person who is like considerate or maybe thoughtful or maybe like thinking like uh, like not thoughtful. But like consider, like the person who is always considered about its surroundings. Like for example, if I want to take a decision, I would be considering A, B, C options into in, into its place and then taking a decision. So that is like the th kind of person. And actually, the compliment he was trying to make the was the opposite of that. He was trying to say to me, like, stop being so much considered about things. You're being too much of what you would say, like vichashil. And he said. Uh, try to be much more impromptu, try to be uh, a much more person like who can just take decisions instantly. So, but yeah, I would, I would say uh, at the end, I would say I, I, I call myself uh, Vicharshil, like person who is always thoughtful of its surroundings and taking the, like understanding the risks and then taking the decisions. So more like a, a calculated risk kind of a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, but it's, it's good to have the, have these angles of compassion and empathy for people around you, be it surroundings or, you know, people who are in your life. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's good actually when we hear it from our parents, right? Like what they think of us, that's typical of our Asian <laughs> parents. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's really weird because most of my friends, when I see it's the other way around, like people are asked, like parents are asking children to be thoughtful, like being considered. And for me, it's like the opposite. Like <laughs> they are asking me to stop being so much considered, try to try to take some risks and do whatever you want with your life. <laughs> I'm glad you're in the book, good books of your parents. You know, that's a nice to have, you know, thing for a you know young Indian uh, professional. All right, so that brings us to the end of our episode. This was super exciting for me, Jay, getting to know A, about machine learning, the wonderful projects that you're working on, especially in the field of Alzheimer's and biomarkers related to it. And the second aspect being the fun side of you, some of the, the philosophy that awakens you and enlightens you. So I'm super glad you had the uh, the time outside of your busy PhD schedule to talk to us about life as a PhD student in machine learning. Do you have any parting thoughts for us? 
yeah definitely i mean uh, first of all thanks for having me over here i definitely enjoyed a lot like a lot of questions really made me to think back about what i what what i really think about those questions and uh, definitely i'm 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 definitely a subscriber for your particular thing uh, your Thank particular you. podcasts I, i i love to watch them on linkedin so definitely and uh, definitely i would i would suggest anyone like uh, like regardless of uh, whatever your background is i really enjoy the diverse set of speakers you have and definitely i, I guess i'm 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 the 99 so definitely you have your 100th one coming up and you have some young entrepreneurs that i even i i i saw their uh, podcast that you you invited them and definitely they are much more of inspiration like the way they think and they the look they the way they look at the particular what work that they do definitely is inspiring so for all those people who are tuned in right now or maybe listening to this uh, review preview is um, definitely i would suggest to check out more of uh, priyanka's podcast like i i love go- going back i haven't completed to be honest i haven't completed all of them but uh, i definitely it's on my loop or it is on my uh, podcast uh, app and definitely i'll be listening to them whenever i get get time so uh, i would suggest anyone to feel free to uh, follow priyanka and definitely uh, keep up the great work i i really like uh, the guests you invite and it's definitely uh, much more thoughtful of you so yeah thank you jay you made my day you know what better way than getting all these kind words from a podcaster in a very unscripted way so you know i'm 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 super um, honored that you took the time to talk about our episodes and uh listening to our content you know when i get some feedback like this from my direct listeners that keeps me going you know that's my <laughs> philosophy and to our listeners the 100th episode is going to come very soon we're going to have a live worldwide youtube watch party so stay tuned by following me priyanka komla and a career startup podcast page on linkedin to get those linkedin live notifications and if you're watching this on youtube give us a like and subscribe there as well and as a sneak peek given jay is my special guest for today i'm going to unveil my co-hosts uh, i shouldn't say i'm not going to be hosting the show so i'm letting two young entrepreneurs host the show one being namya joshi who was the recipient of india's highest civilian award the uh, balapur star award for young innovators on republic day uh, from prime minister modi india's prime minister uh, so she's from india and then i also have another co-host who's going to be netlan imsit who's a young entrepreneur both are 14 year old kids he's from sri lanka and he hosts his own show which is called uh, cinnamon chat with netlan and you know amazing young innovators jay i'm super you know thrilled when i hear a lot of uh, uh, you know how the young generation is taking a different take at life so you know not following the usual milestones like what to some extent we had to do uh, in our life a little bit but thank you so much jay and to our listeners do follow jay shah's podcast you know you can find it on youtube and we'd leave a link to his mission learning podcast as part of our episode notes and one key takeaway on this 99th episode of career startup leadership podcast with jay shah is you know communication networking those are critical tools to success irrespective of your field be it phd technology or any kind of a profession that you're in So thank you so much Jay I'll leave you there with that uh, you know amazing key takeaway and we'll see you guys soon uh, on 100th episode so if you're going to hear this on a podcast platform like what Jay Shard does you know give us a like and subscribe so I know that how this podcast has helped you become a better version of yourself until our 100th episode this is Priyanka Komla signing off from Career Startup Leadership Podcast a podcast to spotlight purpose driven asian leaders making an impact thank you mm-hmm.